Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU, Freeform Station of the Nation, coming at you live from downtown Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. For those of you listening via podcast in the future, I want you to remember this is live radio. This goes out over the FM signal across uh, parts of New Jersey and, and New York State. And then the station puts it together as a podcast for your listening pleasure afterwards. So this is live radio, and I'm very happy to be here. And as we do sometimes on this show, we cover a topic of immediate interest. This is not one of the evergreen shows, although maybe this will be one that we listen to in future seasons to see how things turned out. But the, the, the concern about tonight's show is one that is timely. It has to do with where things are headed right now in Congress. And I need to explain, um, don't, uh, don't turn your dial because I said the word Congress. <laughs> this, the topic is very important to all of us. Uh, and, and in fact, well beyond the United States as well, because what is happening in the United States Congress right now is a culmination of what this show has been talking about now for almost five years. And I'm, I'm going to explain. Uh, let me just read you the description of the show that I put. We, we, we have a little upcoming list for, for upcoming shows here at WFMU. And I wrote a little blurb for this evening's show. That I, gave a, I gave a title to tonight's show called Our Last Chance to Defeat Big Tech for a While. And here's what I wrote. Congress is bringing the fight to big tech. Three bills in Congress, all bipartisan, would help rein in big tech's unethical behavior. But if the bills don't pass in the next month, we may not have another chance for years, if ever, to fight big tech. And uh, here I am to explain this. So I uh, very much appreciate you joining me for this episode because I want to break down why this is an important moment, what the bills are, what's at stake, and what, or in one case at least, who is standing in the way of progress, who is the one-man logjam um, that is keeping us from doing obviously the right thing to rein in these beasts. And I, I, I was thinking as I came over, how do you describe the problem? <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Tectonic, let me give you a little refresher. Um, we are fighting big tech giants on this show, uh, among other things. It's not the only thing we do. But these, uh, and how you count who's the big tech, who qualifies as a big tech giant. Some people have different lists, and there, there are, there's some fuzziness in how we discern who's in this list or not. But there are four companies for sure that are always on the list of big tech giants that are having deeply harmful consequences in our economy and our society. Those companies are Google, also known as Alphabet, Facebook, also known as Meta, Amazon, and Apple. And there is no coincidence that those are exactly the four companies that I have called out at the end of every single show since I started doing the, uh, the, the standard sign-off, which I started pretty early on in the run of Tectonic. It's those four companies. Um, I identified pretty early on that these, there are a lot of companies that are having harmful effects in our world. But for a technology show, if we got to focus somewhere, we want to focus on those four companies. And uh, I have been saying for years that we have to do something about those companies. And, and let me break down what I mean by do something about it. Uh, you can certainly make an individual choice, as I say in the sign-off, to get off Google, forget Facebook, and avoid Amazon and Apple. You can do that on an individual basis. You can, and, and I hope you will, if you can, uh, delete your Facebook account, delete your Instagram account, delete your WhatsApp account, 
don't use Amazon and use all of those services as little as possible. Try to get off Google when and where you can and avoid Apple. I mean, I really mean literally those, those words that I say in the sign-off. However, there's a couple of problems with the sign-off I want to admit up front. One is that a lot of people can't really get off of Google. They can't really delete their Facebook account because let's say, for instance, you have family overseas and this is the only way they can use the internet. Let's say they live in the Philippines and because of the um, toxic deal that Facebook did directly with Rodrigo Duterte with, with um, the quote-unquote free uh, Facebook basics account out in the Philippines, any family you have in the Philippines may not be able to communicate with you unless they communicate with you through Facebook. And so deleting your Facebook account would then cut off your, your communications mode with those family members. That's not a, that's not a great decision, obviously. Uh, similarly for Google, some people have to use Google for, uh, for, for work or, or some group that they're involved in. I, I get that. Uh, that's that's one of the problems with telling people that uh, they should get off on an on an individual basis, get off of these services. Of course, the other problem with the sign off is that even if everyone listening to me deleted their Facebook account, uh, there wouldn't even be a blip on a blip within a blip within Facebook's awareness. It just would not affect them at all. That does not create systemic change even though it's a good thing to do if you can. So uh, it, like, the, like the old environmental slogan was, uh, think globally, act locally. I support that. I, I think small decisions, small uh, individual decisions make a difference, and they do help you align yourself in the right way with the world. So if you can, I hope you will individually get off of those services and, and, and encourage your family and friends and coworkers to get off of those services if they can. However, the systemic change that we need has to come from a different place. We need collective action to take on these big tech giants. And there are different ways of going about collective action. One way is to start a movement and to have protests in the streets, and uh, maybe we'll see that someday against Google and Facebook. It's hard to imagine, given how many people I see already walking in the streets of New York City with their heads bent as they toddle along the sidewalks with their face smashed up against the glass that is made by Apple or Google. It's hard to imagine them throwing their phones, metaphorically, into the Hudson River and turning it into a street protest against those same companies. That's hard to imagine. Maybe we'll see it someday, a new Luddite movement. But it's hard to imagine. What is much easier to imagine, and this is getting to the point of tonight's show, and is in fact on the table, it is real, is action by the United States Congress. Because with, with big tech, these four big tech beasts owning so much of the power, influence, money, and talent in this country. They have the best, the brightest, and the highest paid in the whole country working for them. Uh, it is hard to imagine any other group being able to rein them in, except for the lawmakers who can pass laws that have teeth and consequences that could, on some great day in the future, could end up with senior leaders of these companies doing the perp walk in handcuffs to prison. And by the way, I am not the only person to call for this. I could quote you several people in Silicon Valley who have called for handcuffs and perp walks to change the culture, the toxic, unethical culture in Silicon Valley. I am certainly not the first or not the only. Um, but that all starts with laws. This is, a, is, is or is supposed to be or aspires to be a nation of laws. We should have law and order in technology. And it's been a, a freewheeling, uh, Ayn Randian Wild West for too long. Too long it has been amoral and then immoral, super libertarian environment where the companies take what they can get and, and spread the, the negative externalities onto all of us. 
So what we need is laws, and those laws come from one place. Nationwide laws in the United States only come from one place, and that's the U.S. Congress. So over the years, I have been trying to spotlight various congressional hearings, mostly in the Senate, a couple of times in the House. Uh, for, for those of you who are not familiar, maybe you're outside the United States, we have a bicameral legislature. We've got the Senate and we've got the House. Anyway, we've, I have played excerpts over the years of, of Senate hearings and House hearings showing the, or, or displaying or presenting to you the audio of the senior leaders of these big tech beasts squirming as they lie and, and deflect and act dumb and uh, rationalize and try to distract anything but to tell the truth and admit what they're actually up to. I've played those hearings here and there over the years because it's just been so fascinating to me to see the world's most powerful people unable to tell the truth um, because we do have we do have perjury laws and uh, perjury laws can have prison sentences attached and so these guys they're all guys uh, all the CEOs have dodged the questions um, under the tutelage of their highly paid lawyers who teach them how not to tell the truth when, when asked a direct, direct question by a congressperson. Well, obviously, I have, been a, I have been in the cheering section for the congresspeople who have been asking the tough questions of these guys. And I have been watching as, and listening as senators and representatives have been ratcheting up the pressure for years, saying, we got to do something. And by the way, this is an important aspect of this. Um, while I could, I could say some partisan things uh, about a lot of issues, and to some extent about this issue, I want to emphasize that Tectonic is not a partisan show. And the bills that I'm going to be telling you about this evening the current effort in Congress is bipartisan. Whatever else we could say about any other issue in our politics right now that is so divided and polarized, this is not one of them. There is some, there is some vague polarization uh, a little bit here and there on the tech issue, but, but compared to the other issues that we've got in Congress, this is not polarized at all. This is a bipartisan issue. Both Democrats on the left and Republicans on the right are in, in some way, in, in, to, to some degree, to certain numbers, there are uh, representatives and senators from both parties who are united on this issue. And on this instance, on, uh, in this topic, that unified bipartisan group of lawmakers is absolutely right that this is an issue that affects all Americans across the entire political spectrum, and all of us need a remedy with teeth to fight these big tech giants who are dodging and deflecting the truth and continuing at all costs to grow their toxic business models and their, and their harms on all of us. And this, this frames it correctly, friends, that this and I've said, I, I, I've said this over the years, this issue about big tech and their harms against us is not left versus right. This issue is not left versus right. Like so many other polarizing uh, political discussions we could have on a politics show, which this is not. This is a technology show. This tech issue is not left versus right. It is not Democrat versus Republican. It is not. Instead, it is big tech versus the rest of us. That is the absolute truth. This issue is a, a, a few incredibly wealthy dudes on the West Coast of the United States and their, and their vassal venture capitalists and, and senior VPs and senior programmers and, and startup founders who desperately want to get bought into those ecosystems. It's a tiny, tiny group on the West Coast of the United States holding, wielding the power versus all of the rest of us. 
And so the rest of us have not been able to mount a response for several years until now. And I'm going to get to these bills, but I want to play you an excerpt. If I can just let me bring this up real quick. A few years ago, I used to do something for our morning show called Wake and Bake here at WFMU. Uh, this is our Monday through Friday morning show. It goes from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. Clay Pigeon is the host. It's a fantastic show. And it was my uh, privilege to be a part of the Wake and Bake team for a couple of years. I did a Monday morning two-minute segment called A Little Slice of Tech Pie. It was every Monday morning uh, through, I think it was through 2018 and, and part of 2019. And uh, I want to play you just the last about 30 seconds of my little slice of tech pie. This is from December 31st, 2018. Okay, so it's the last day of 2018. We're, we're a little more than a year into Tectonic. And I was, talk I was doing a little two-minute segment on reCAPTCHA, which this, this system is so annoying. It's still on half of the websites you try to log into out there, and they say, prove you're not a robot. Click all the motorcycles, click all the stop signs, click all the crosswalks. You, you know, don't you, who runs, who owns reCAPTCHA? Do you know that? It's a Google project. And they want you to do free labor for them so that they can help train their self-driving cars. What's a stoplight? What's a stop sign? What's a crosswalk? And so basically, in order to log into a website, you've got to do free labor for Google, which really offends me. So anyway... I, just, I want to play the end of this uh, little slice of tech pie from December 31st, 2018, uh, because of the last, basically the last thing I say in the message. Here it is. Things like stoplights, fire hydrants, and storefronts. Every time you click one of those reCAPTCHA pop-ups, you're doing free labor for Google to teach its self-driving cars how to see. It's a crazy time online when we're forced to work for Google for free just to log into a website. That's one more reason I'm looking forward to seeing antitrust action to break up Google's monopoly. That's something to look forward to in 2019. Until next time. Okay, did you catch that? <laughs> I just want to say for the record that as of December 2018, I was calling for antitrust action against Google. And to be honest, I said that as a kind of a fantasy that maybe sometime in 2019 we'll see antitrust action against Google. And I, I, it didn't get much comment. And I thought maybe it's a little early, but this is the vision that I've got for the future. Antitrust action against Google. Of course, at that time in 2018, Google was riding high, still rating very highly in, in brand studies. People love Google. The American public hadn't yet figured out what Google was up to. I think people are much more keen to Google's um, ways at this point, their surveillance capitalist ways, their deceptive ways, uh, what's happening on YouTube with their algorithm radicalizing, radicalizing people and all of the attendant effects that get spread around in society, all because of Google's growth at any cost mindset. Well, now, finally, that was December 2018. Now, finally, in June of 2022, it's been worth the wait, friends. We have a real chance at antitrust action against Google, and not just Google, but also Facebook, also Amazon, and also Apple. The exact four companies I've been going on about for four and a half years finally are in the hot seat with a real chance of antitrust action being taken against them by the U.S. Congress. And uh, that's, that's worth celebrating. So as I said, there are three bills. There's really two bills on the antitrust front, and there's one on the privacy front that if we have time, I, I may get into. But I want to I focus, and everything, by the way, there is a wealth of information about this legislation on the playlist. Um, if you go to WFMU.org, click Playlists and Comments, and then look down the left side of the page, you can see a bunch of information and links to these bills. If you're listening in the future, uh, you can go to the one-page Tectonic site at tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H tonic.fm, and find the June 20, 2022 playlist and click the playlist link, and then you'll, you'll just scroll down and you'll see all the information about this legislation. There's also a site called Antitrust Summer, 
which is all one word, antitrustsummer.com. This is a site put together by Fight for the Future, and there's a bunch of supporting organizations that are also, uh, th this, this site, antitrustsummer.com, is trying to publicize these antitrust bills, these two bills, to try to uh, get people to write, call, uh, contact their congresspeople to urge them to bring these bills to a vote and pass these two bills. Okay, so let me, let me uh, tell you about these two bills, and then I can, I can play you some more audio that I think uh, you may recognize that we've been talking about recently. Okay, the, the two bills. Number one is called the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. I know it's kind of a mouthful. It's a kind of a long title, but it's the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. Uh, I've seen it abbreviated as uh, or acronymized as AICOA. And on the playlist, you can see the official listing of this bill uh, on the Senate website. And this is of both antitrust bills. This is the one that's most likely to pass. It's bipartisan. It has the votes, as far as I know, to pass. It just needs to be brought up to a vote. What this act does is it bans these platforms from self-preferencing. And uh, I'm going to describe what that is in a second. Uh, but keep that in mind. That, that first bill, the American Innovation and Choice Online Act, bans self-preferencing by the platforms. That's the first one. The second one that we're going to focus on a little bit is called the Open App Markets Act, or the OAMA, Open App Markets Act. That one's a little bit easier to say. This is a Senate bill that is, uh, as Fight for the Future puts it, bans the shenanigans that Apple and Google use to assert their power over mobile. So this is one where, in particular, Apple and Google are being targeted for their unethical running of their app stores. And that would, um, that would make, a, make also huge strides and making things more fair and, and more innovative. So let me, let me play you some audio. Now that I've read off the, the names and, and you know where to get more information on the playlist, I want to go to uh, a couple of very brief excerpts of the John Oliver show. This is a, a show he does on HBO. It's called Last Week Tonight. A bunch of you have posted on last week's comment board about it. A couple of you emailed me about it. Uh, yes, I did see it, and in fact, I have linked to uh, John Oliver's show on the playlist. The title of the segment was uh, Tech Monopolies, and this was from the June 12, 2022, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. I, I just have um, not even a minute of, uh, of each clip. I have a, f a handful of clips that I'm going to play to help frame my description of, of what's actually happening with these bills. So the first one is... Um, and this is going to be, obviously, John Oliver talking. This, is, this comes from that uh, June, 12, uh, June 12, 2022, last week tonight. And in this clip, it's less than a minute, John Oliver is just setting the stage, giving a summary of the two bills and what's at stake, especially right now, as we have a chance to really do something about the big tech giants. Here's John Oliver. A big thing these companies are accused of doing is suppressing their competition so completely that we'd never actually know if someone else could do it better because they'll never get a fair chance to try. That is the problem here. It's not that tech companies are inherently bad because they are big. It's that they're engaging in anti-competitive behaviour. And here's where, unusually, I actually might have some good news because there are two bills before Congress right now with bipartisan support that could curtail at least some of big tech successes. But for reasons that we will get into later, if they don't pass in the next month or so, they're not likely to pass at all. So tonight, let's talk about tech monopolies, the hidden harm that they can do. Okay, so that was John Oliver on last week tonight, uh, June 12, 2022, setting up and saying basically the same thing I'm trying to tell you and the same thing that antitrustsummer.com talks about, which is that there are two bills that could be brought up for a vote right now both of which do, would do great things in the economy by reining in the big tech giants. But there is a time limit. There is an August recess coming up for Congress, 
when the lawmakers have their vacation. And after that, it's the run up to the November elections. And um, we don't know what's going to happen, but it, <laughs> it, it looks like there may be a change in leadership in Congress coming up uh, based on these upcoming November elections. And so the leadership, the characters that we have in place right now who are backing these bills in a bipartisan way, that we have the team on the field right now for one more month that will allow us to pass these bills, one or hopefully both of these bills, to right some of the wrongs that big tech continues to bring to us in the economy because of their anti-competitive behavior. Now, when we talk about antitrust, uh, this, is not a new, uh, this is not a new topic in American business and American law. Of course, there, has been, there have been antitrust cases for a long time. The most recent antitrust case that John Oliver uh, brings up that, that really went through and ha had a major breakup of a company was the breakup of AT&T in the 80s, in 1984. Um, why, don't we, why don't we play the second excerpt of John Oliver as he's talking about what happened when the Department of Justice broke up AT&T into the baby bells. This, I believe, was back in uh, 1984. And then I have a little more to say about antitrust and monopolies in general, because this is not the only case we could talk about. But let's set a little context by, by hearing uh, John talk a little bit about the AT&T breakup in the 80s. The DOJ then actually filed an antitrust lawsuit, which AT&T fought vigorously for a decade. And when, in 1984, it was formally broken up by the government, AT&T's chairman warned the public that we would come to regret what had just happened. All right. I had the conviction and, and taken the position in uh, more than one forum that uh, uh, the country in the long run will be sorry. I find it difficult to believe that, th difficult to believe that things will work as well uh, in, the, in the future as they have worked in the past. Yeah, but he was wrong. Things actually worked better because it turns out ending a monopoly is almost always a good thing, whether it's AT&T or Standard Oil or literally any game of Monopoly. <laughs> we didn't know it at the time. But AT&T's dominance was seriously holding back innovation. But as soon as it wasn't controlling the phone lines and what you could attach to its network, many new products started proliferating from the answering machine to the modem. The breakup of AT&T was actually a key step in producing the internet revolution, giving us the web as we now know it. When harmful monopolies end, innovation flourishes. Okay, so that was John Oliver again from June 12. Um, and that last line, I think, is really important for us to repeat. When harmful monopolies end, innovation flourishes. I would almost just remove the, uh, the uh, word harmful because we can just say when monopolies end, innovation flourishes. Anyway, certainly AT&T was a harmful monopoly. And by all means, by a, by a multiplying factor, the, the current four monopolies that we're talking about, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google, are harmful. And if we could end those monopolies, innovation would certainly flourish. And we'll get into some details uh, in a moment about those specific cases. But in terms of AT&T, which John Oliver was, was uh, talking about, you heard the quote from the AT&T chairman at the time who said, Oh, if this goes through, if the breakup goes through, all kinds of things are going to break. I'm warning you, you're not going to like it. Nothing's going to work. And uh, actually, just the opposite happened. The opposite. Everything that that guy said, opposite that, and that's what actually came to pass. Because, of course, the senior leaders, the CEOs, the VCs, everyone who has a financial interest in, in keeping the con going is going to say all kinds of stuff. Oh, no, don't. Don't uh, don't throw away our, our beautiful toxic sludge machine. We're we're doing fine. I'm just about to buy my 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 fifth yacht, and uh, and I may have another wing on my Hamptons mansion. And uh, uh, but 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 don't do anything to to harm that because you won't like it. Uh, believe me, I, I don't even know why, but you guys won't like it, um, which is completely bogus. It's a complete crock what these guys are saying. But this is just to say the excuses coming out of big tech, which are 
they sound exactly like AT&T's excuses back in the day. Oh, everything's going to break. The internet won't work. You're not going to like it. Uh, uh, the bad things are going to happen to your iPhone. Uh, search is going to, you know, be irrelevant. I mean, all kinds of craziness. It's the same stuff that the AT&T chairman said. None of it's true. The other thing that uh, John Oliver did not bring up, and I'm not criticizing him, he, he had to move through the segment at a pretty quick clip. But the other case that I would bring up, of course, is the antitrust suit in 2001 between the DOJ and Microsoft. You remember that? Old timers like me lived through this. And I just loved, loved seeing Microsoft and Bill Gates finally put on the stand for all of their bad behavior in the 1990s. Finally, the government caught up and said, hey, we do not like your monopolistic behavior. We don't like your anti-competitive strategy. You've got to, uh, you, you, we're, we're, we're threatening to break you up if you don't reform. And you might remember that famous deposition that Bill Gates gave. And he was just sitting back in his chair, kind of sneering at the guy. Why? Why, why would you say that? Nah, blah, 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 blah. And that was, not a, <laughs> that was not great for Microsoft PR, for Bill Gates to, uh, to have such an attitude. Anyway, it ended up settling in November 2001. Uh, but even though the breakup didn't happen, from what I've read, just having those investigators looking at everything that Microsoft was doing back then, that spooked the company. That really spooked them. And so that was the moment when the web, the World Wide Web, was just starting to take off. And Microsoft desperately wanted to strangle the web before it was born. I mean, Bill Gates knew He's a smart guy. He knew that if the web was actually born, Microsoft's monopoly, Microsoft's chokehold on, on all consumer technology and all business technology would end. And in fact, Bill Gates was right. I have to give him credit for his vision because you know what happened? The web was born and Microsoft's chokehold was broken because of a company that was born named Google. And in the early days, Google said, we are going to be the good guys. And you remember what their slogan was? Don't be evil. Google said when they were allowed to be born because the DOJ was watching Microsoft, Microsoft knew it couldn't kill off the web. And these little startups like Google, they couldn't afford to do it because they might get an even more hot water. So they allowed the web to be born because they were spooked by the antitrust suit in 2001. Google came out of the crib and said, we made it. My goodness, we made it. Microsoft, the terrible evil empire, was not able to murder us. Look at us. We made it. And they came out of the crib and they said, we declare to the world, we are not going to be evil. And do you know what that actually meant? Do you know what don't be evil actually meant? This has to do with antitrust, actually. Don't be evil. That Google was saying back in 2001, in those days, that meant we, Google, are not going to be the evil empire. What Google was saying in saying don't be evil, they meant don't be Microsoft. And they, could, they had the luxury at that moment of saying, we won't be Microsoft because there was an antitrust suit against Microsoft at that time. And Microsoft was spooked enough. So Google started with aspirations to be different from Microsoft, not to be unethical, not to be monopolistic, not to have toxic uh, outcomes in the world, as all those things that Microsoft was, was justifiably known, known for doing. Google said, we're going to be different. We won't be evil. We won't be Microsoft. And then one thing led to another. And now we have Google, which is, if anything, an even worse player than Microsoft ever dreamed of being. And now we are at this part of the cycle again, where Google is saying, oh, no, no, no. You don't want to come at us with antitrust. You don't know what might happen. Everything might break. They sound just like the AT&T guy. But you know what happened in the wake of the antitrust suit against Microsoft? We got Google, which was good for a couple of years there. And in the wake of the AT&T antitrust suit, you know what, among other things, you know what happened? AT&T, part of AT&T was Bell Labs, which is not far from, from this studio. 
Um, it's, it's, it's local. Bell Labs was working on some amazing innovations, but they were all locked up inside AT&T until the breakup occurred. And if I remember my reading right, I believe what happened when AT&T was bro broken up is that all the intellectual property became open. All the patents became unlocked. And so things like, just for example, fiber optics, if I have my, if, if my memory serves, fiber optics came out of Bell Labs and it was made available outside of AT&T to the whole world because of the breakup. And that's why John Oliver is right when he says, when monopolies end, innovation flourishes because there's a lot of value that's locked up inside those monopolies that we're never gonna enjoy. The citizens of this country will never enjoy until the monopoly is ended. So that's why something like an antitrust suit led by Congress is, uh, or, or led by, starting with laws in Congress, uh, would, would help innovation flourish in that way. Okay, let's move on to, oh, the, the, the next part of the John Oliver show, by the way, he went through the giants. He talked about uh, Apple, and then he talked about Google. Let me just say a word about that, because Apple and Google are the targets of both of the bills that I talked about before. One in terms of self-preferencing, which we're gonna get to, and the other in terms of, as, uh, as Fight for the Future put it, the shenanigans that Apple and Google carry out in the mobile market. One thing that you need to know, if you don't know, is that Apple and Google charge a huge amount to developers for any revenue that those developers make on the Apple App Store or the Google App Store. For instance, if you buy an app off of either of those stores, Apple or Google is likely to get 30% of that purchase price. Imagine being a small software company and spending months or years to put together a piece of software, a product, and then putting it on Apple or Google's App Store and then seeing 30% of that revenue go into the pocket of the richest companies in history. Not a good look. Not a good look. Um, the other thing is that Apple and Google, in running these app stores, which is where the developers are required to list their apps if they want to be on Apple phones or Google phones, Apple and Google tend to uh, put their own apps on the top of search results pages. So when, someone, when a user comes to the Apple App Store or the Google App Store and they search for any kind of app that Apple or Google happen to have in their own portfolio, guess who gets listed first? Hey, look, it's the Apple App. It's the Google App. And that's, that's the self-preferencing that we're talking about. Listing their own products above others and then taking a huge chunk, 30%, 15% of the revenue from the developers. Uh, which would not happen in a truly competitive market. So all of us, the consumers, are left paying higher prices, being directed to Apple and Google apps that keep us in their toxic ecosystems, and we're left often with mediocre software. It, the whole thing is rotten. And it's just because these companies, these monopolies, have set it up to benefit themselves, of course, which is how monopolies always act. Okay, so then John Alvar gets into Amazon. He spent some time on Amazon. And uh, here in this third clip, he's going to be talking a little bit about the buy box, which is the box that you see uh, that on Amazon that says you can, you can buy this now. Let's listen to what uh, John Oliver says about it. So only one seller gets to be in that box, and nobody except Amazon knows how its algorithm picks the winner, but it sure seems to consistently favor Amazon with one analysis finding that the company chose itself for the buy box for about 40% off products, while the next highest seller got in just half of 1% of popular products. And even when the buy box did go to a third-party seller, nine out of 10 times, it went to those that used Amazon's shipping service fulfilled by Amazon. Basically, it is Amazon's playground. They make the rules and they do seem to win a lot of the time. And as this expert points out, if they're competing with you, you're basically dead. Third-party sellers have told me that once they see that Amazon is selling the same good that they're selling, they liquidate their inventory. They know it's impossible to compete against Amazon on Amazon's own platform. Okay, so th there John Oliver is running his own excerpt of another clip of a, a third-party seller in Amazon saying, as soon as we see Amazon coming into our space, we liquidate our inventory. Basically, when when 
comp- otherwise competitors, these third-party sellers who want to make a, a better mousetrap, when they see Amazon coming, they they self-censor, they self they 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 kill their own products in order to get out of the way to immediately seed the field to Amazon. What that leaves is Amazon growing and growing and growing as the only vendor, the the uh, only place to get certain products. And it gets worse because it's not just Amazon growing randomly into whatever uh, whatever fields that it's sort of interested in. Amazon is actually using the sales data of third-party sellers to identify small businesses to poach, to copy, and to uh, maybe put out a business. Here is how John Oliver puts it. And the thing is, Amazon isn't just a marketplace or indeed a shipping company. It's also started coming up with its own products now because it currently has approximately 158,000 private label products across 45 in-house brands. And it has been accused of preferencing them over its competitors or even worse, making clear knockoffs of products that have been successfully sold on its website. Take a small company called Peak Design. It made this camera bag, and when it noticed a suspiciously similar bag being sold by Amazon, it made this pretty decent snarky video in response. This is the Everyday Sling by Peak Design, and this is the Everyday Sling by Amazon Basics. It looks suspiciously like the Peak Design Everyday Sling, but you don't have to pay for all those needless bells and whistles, like years of research and development, recycled blue sign approved materials, a lifetime warranty, fairly paid factory workers, and total carbon neutrality. Instead, you just get a bag designed by the crack team at the Amazon Basics department. Okay, so what we have there is Amazon saw a product by a company called Peak Design. This is a small company that just wants to make an excellent camera bag, this thing called the Everyday Sling. They've been making it for a long time, and like so many small businesses, you make a product, you really have to list on Amazon because as the monopoly, that is the one place that everybody goes to. So if you don't list on Amazon, you're not gonna get any sales. So they list the Everyday Sling camera bag on Amazon, and sometime later, Amazon comes out with a camera bag that looks superficially very much like the Everyday Sling. And I think they said that that it's also called Everyday Sling. I mean, they copied the shape, the design, the color, and the name, but they made it with cheap knockoff materials. It's just a cheap, flimsy flimsy, uh, camera bag, and they undercut the price. So basically, it's a cheap knockoff. And so Amazon is uh, using the sale data of third parties in order to decide what they're going to knock off, and then they put that in the store, and then they use their own self-preferencing where when people look for a camera bag, Amazon makes sure that its own knockoff comes up above the higher quality option so that they're driving traffic to their own products. This is what all these companies are doing in self-preferencing. They control the algorithms, they control the search results, and so whenever users interact with these marketplaces owned by these giants, the giants make sure that you go to their products first, even if it's clear that those products are mediocre or worse. So this is, this is no way to run an economy <laughs> for monopolies to own the marketplaces and to uh, be able to manipulate things behind the scenes to put competitive uh, third-party sellers out of business and to send them running for the hills if you, if you come into their territory. That's just, that is a terrible way to organize the economy, and yet that's what we've done. And so that's why we come to these two bills. Again, the American Innovation and Choice Online Act and the Open App Markets Act. Both of them are listed on the Tectonic Playlist. Right now, if you go to WFMU.org, click Playlist and Comments, you can read the details. You can go read the, the, uh, the bill uh, wordings on the Senate website. And again, if you're listening in the future, go to tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H tonic.fm, and click the playlist for June 20, 2022, and you can read this same information uh, there at the playlist. These two... Uh, bills need to come up for a vote in the next month so that they can, uh, the first one, the American Innovation and Choice Online Act, it bans the self-preferencing of these companies. Uh, As uh, Axios put it, um, giants like Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook 
are not going to be allowed to preference their own products. That's really important for us to start to rein in these big tech giants. And the second bill is the Open App Markets Act, which, as Fight for the Future wrote, bans the shenanigans that Apple and Google use in the mobile app market. Somebody asked if Apple is actually a monopoly. Well, you, you think about all of the different kinds of smartphones out there that you can buy. All of the very, very different kinds. Uh, you've got Apple, you know, iPhone and the iOS devices, and you've got Google, all the Android devices. And after that, that's it, folks. You've got two options. You can have anything you want in the entire competitive market as long as it's either Apple or Google. And guess who are the two companies being targeted by this anti-monopoly bill, Apple and Google? Uh, so, yes, these are monopolies who are acting as monopolies always do, and we need a top-down response from Google. We need these bills to pass, and we've got one month to do it. But there's a logjam, and John Oliver is going to tell you what it is. I want to play him first, and then I want to back it up with my own thoughts. Let's hear John Oliver talk about why we're having trouble getting these bipartisan, completely obvious, good, helpful bills up for a vote in Congress. Why haven't the bills moved forward? Well, some believe that it doesn't help that at least 17 members of Congress currently have children who work or have recently worked for four of the biggest tech companies, including, crucially, Chuck Schumer's daughters, one of whom works as a marketing manager at Meta and one of whom is a literal registered lobbyist for Amazon. And the reason that is interesting is because Chuck Schumer is the person who needs to call these bills to a vote. And while he has certainly said that he will do that, he also hasn't done it yet. And if he doesn't do it before Congress leaves for its August recess, the bills are probably dead, because in the fall, everyone's going to have moved on to focusing on the midterm elections, where, as we all know, the Democrats will be absolutely annihilated. <laughs> so we have a very small window right now to actually do something about this. OK, so there's John Oliver telling us what is, or in this case, who is the logjam. There is one senator who could bring these bills up for a vote. That is Senator Charles Schumer, also known as Chuck Schumer. He is in the Democratic Party, and he is one of the two senators from my state, the state of New York. And as John Oliver correctly pointed out, and there have been other news pieces, this is not a surprise, this has been reported on for a long time now, that both of Chuck Schumer's daughters work for the big tech companies that are targeted by these bills. One of them works for Facebook, also known as Meta, and the other one works for Google, known as Alphabet. And as John Oliver pointed out, the daughter who works for Google slash Alphabet is a registered lobbyist. Now, that by itself is not to say that Chuck Schumer is being somehow lobbied or, or swayed by his daughters, but it is interesting, as John Oliver points out, that Chuck Schumer keeps saying he's going to bring these uh, bills up for a vote, and he doesn't do it, and he doesn't do it, and he doesn't do it. And so I, I was just reflecting on this coming in today, and I was thinking to myself, when I started this show in September of 2017, and I began with a fire in the belly to fight these big tech giants. Come what may, whoever is the logjam, whoever is the villain, we are going to take them on. We are going to point out the way of truth and look to a better way to, to legislate and to build a, a, a just and fair economy. If you had asked me in 2017, who do you think is going to be the villain who stands between you and real action, real top-down action in 2022, who's going to be the villain? I can guarantee you that my first guess would not have been a Democrat from New York State. It is disappointing to me. It is deeply disappointing that a Democrat of all people from New York State is the one standing in the way of these bills being brought to a vote when there's bipartisan support and a vast support among the American people to rein in these tech giants. What is your problem, Schumer? Bring them to a vote. And folks, if you're listening, go to antitrustsummer.com. 
antitrustsummer.com. This is a this is a one-page site put together by Fight for the Future and is supported by all kinds of organizations who are listed on that page and it focuses just on these two bills. And if you're an American voter, you can con you can contact Congress and you can urge your Congress people in the House and the Senate bring it to a vote. Bring it to a vote. Bring it to a vote. And if you live in New York State, do I need to spell it out for you who you can contact, whose office you can contact and urge Senator Schumer to bring the bills to a vote? We don't have time for this. If we don't pass these bills in the next month, friends, it is over for years, if ever. These toxic giants are going to continue their growth at any cost, harms on all of us that are going to be reverberating for generations if we don't do something right now in July of 2022. This is our chance. I have been waiting for this chance for four and a half years. Finally, we found the vulnerability in the big tech beasts and we have a shot. Take the shot. Take the shot. What is it going to take? Schumer, bring the bills to a vote. My goodness, what are you waiting for? What do you think we have to do in order to generate a little bit of fairness in our economy? These are the most toxic corporations in the history of this country. And now is our chance to do something about them. Bring the bills to a vote. And friends, go to antitrustsummer.com. Contact your congresspeople and urge them to bring the bills to a vote. Antitrustsummer.com is all I can say. In meantime, you can look at the playlist and you can see there are people with, with posters showing the millions of dollars that big tech companies are spending in order to distract us from what, what is really the right path towards a fair and just economy. The big tech giants are scared. We've got them up against the ropes. Now is the time. We've got one month. Bring the bills to a vote. Look at the top of the playlist. Who was there scuttling through the Senate basement to do his own personal lobbying of senators? It was Apple CEO Tim Cook. And what did Politico say about Apple CEO Tim Cook? He said that was the latest efforts. Politico said it was the latest effort by Apple to deploy its CEO's star power to wreck the bill's prospects. Are we going to allow the Apple CEO to wreck the bill's prospects? No. Go to antitrustsummer.com. Tell Chuck Schumer to bring the bills to a vote. Now is our chance. We've got Tim Cook scared. We've got Sundar Pichai scared. We've got Jeff Bezos and all of his vassals in Amazon scared. We've got Mark Zuckerberg scared. They should be scared because we've got two bills that if we could just bring them to a vote in July, we can finally start to rein in the horrible outcomes that these greedy and unethical companies have been foisting on us for years. Now is our chance. Bring the bills to a vote. Go to antitrustsummer.com and if you live in New York State, tell Senator Schumer to bring the bills to a vote. And that was my message for you this evening, friends. You are listening to the greatest radio station in the world. WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Until next time, friends, you know exactly what to do. After you go to antitrustsummer.com, avoid Amazon and Apple. Forget Facebook. And whatever you do, get off Google. And for our outro this evening, I want to thank Evan Funk Davies for turning me on to this tune. This is a great tune. If Windows Media Player would just play it, and it's not playing it, why, Windows Media Player? Why? Why do you do this to me? All right, so I can't play this. I'll play something else for you. What are we going to play? Uh, I guess we will play the, uh, the DJ Cromoso remix of Losing My Religion. Oh, Windows Media Player. I told you Microsoft is nothing that we want to be a part of. Have a great week, everybody. See you next time.
Pra ser famoso 